This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And here, temporarily, before he's <laughs> jetting off to the next stop this fall, is Dr. Richard Blackbee. Good to be with you, Sam. It's always good to have you in studio, Richard. Well, it's between it's nice these. to be here. Yeah, this is yeah. busy. This is a busy season for sure. Now, I've I've said it before, Richard, and I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> when it's every season, it's <laughs> it's a life. It's a life. <laughs> yeah. It's a busy life. But that's you know uh, that's okay though. Sometimes to to be busy to to have your plate full. Mm-hmm. And as you're on the road and you see a lot of uh, different churches, different organizations, I you know. Some people may not know this, but but sometimes when Richard comes back and here we are in his in his study, in his little library down here uh, in his basement, he, he sometimes will just offload some of <laughs> what he's experienced on on the road. We co- sort of have a debrief sometimes yep. uh, off air, uh, but uh, sometimes you you see things. Sometimes they're really positive. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, God's doing great. We come great, back inspired. Yeah. Inspired, doing yeah. great things. Sometimes, though, you see uh, things, maybe habits and ticks of other people that you're working with or that you see on the road that uh, maybe need to be addressed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that you could maybe give a, a pointer or two. Uh, and a lot of this will have to do with uh, presenting in, in public, let's say. Not even necessarily public speaking officially, but if you're teaching, if you're instructing uh, or preaching, there's a few things that uh, I know get under your skin, <laughs> and we'll, we'll try not to be too yeah, negative I'll with try this. To rein me in if I get going yeah, too far there. But, uh, th- let's just say there are things that can detract from a message. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm a communicator, and so uh, whether you're teaching a Bible study, whether you're ma- giving uh, a report or, or working with uh, your, your uh, leadership team, whether you're preaching a sermon, uh, whether you're just having a one-on-one conversation with someone, uh, there's just a lot of uh, things I encounter. And I, again, I don't really mean to imply that I'm just a critic. And if I'm coming to your church soon to speak, that you know, you're going to get all nervous about me taking notes of all of your bad habits. But uh, I do, I do see things along the way, and uh, and I suppose like anyone else, I have to be careful. I don't just develop a, a critical spirit, but. Um, but, and again, and I, I guess I would also just say in terms of preamble, it doesn't mean that I'm saying I don't have any bad habits. Uh, my problem is I, maybe I haven't noticed all mine yet, so I, I can only point out what I have noticed. Well, it's always, it's also always easier to see, like you can observe habits in other people much faster, I think, than you see habits in yourself yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. And there are some that I'm, I am aware of in my own, uh, you know, skill set and, and, and bad habits, I think creep in to everybody. Uh, yeah. and so we're, you, you have to always be working at that. And so the only reason I share this is not really to rant on people, but just to give some examples of how to watch for just little things that I, I know a lot of people, I mean, a lot of very good people that have good leadership uh, ministries and jobs, but still uh, some various things can creep in that I think would make you more effective, more impactful if you just did these. And so one just kind of, this is going to be kind of a bit of a potpourri here of just different things I've seen, but 
I'll give you a couple uh, off the hop that are some of my most uh, noticeable, <laughs> annoying ones. Uh, but it, I, I've I've been in teaching sessions. Uh, I've been I've heard preachers do this. I've heard all kinds of different settings where this has been done. But there'll be somebody maybe teaching or speaking, holding you know the, at the podium, and they'll be uh, they may ask a question and they'll ask a question and then. Uh, if someone doesn't answer within five seconds, uh, I, there, I've had several people that would regularly do this. They would start nodding their head up and down and they would say, this means yes. And then they'd nod their head sideways and say, this means no. Uh, and just, and that just always really, I found very demeaning. Mm. I mean, when you have to tell people that nodding your head up and down means yes, and shaking it from side to side means no. I can't think of anything more patronizing than that. Uh, yeah, you're you're basically saying you're not you're not bright enough to know how to say yes or no. Now well, I know that it's kind of a joke, and you're, uh, but it's one of those. Maybe ner- you're nervous, and you're yeah, just it's trying one of those to... nervous comments. I think. Yeah. But or you're trying to be funny, and I would just, for the record, say that's not funny. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, and sometimes that now, I will you, say this coming from someone who uses puns. And so, you know, Richard's humor, you know, that has been called into question. Yeah. Well, that's it. So sometimes and I, you don't notice me use a lot of puns in my public speaking. That's true. I, I, I I will, I'll give you that. <laughs> right. There's a time and a place. <laughs> but and that, I don't, I don't want to demean my public speaking that well, way. Well, and I, I wonder too. If if someone's having to tell you how to say yes or no, that also brings up the question of why are you asking yes or no questions? Right, right. As well, and, and which course, I would say was maybe right. Not and the one best. of the things we've said before is, if if you ask a group, maybe you're teaching a Bible study or something, or you're at, you throw a question out around the at the leadership team uh, staff meeting, uh, and then there's not an, a, a fairly quick response. Uh, don't immediately assume that the problem lies with them. Mm. Uh, and it, it may well be that you just have not asked a very good question. And so, um, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Yeah, but, but so, but, but I've heard that. I, I mean, I can, you can, I, I've known a couple of guys, you could take it to the bank at some point in their 45 minute presentation, there'll be a pause. And instead of just waiting quietly, and giving people time to formulate a response, they'll give you that this means yes and that means no. Um, and then, especially in churches, of course, one of my peeves as well is when pastors say, "Folks, that 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 deserves an amen," or just they'll just say, "Amen." Um, that's that's what uh, young people would say is cringe. Yeah, cringe. Where you and and again, and we said this before, but if you have to ask for an amen, you yeah. don't deserve it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, amens ought to be for things that are very profound and strike the heart, and you spontaneously yes. uh, want to respond somehow verbally to affirm that what you just said was really good. It should uh, arise from the audience's own volition. That's right. You should, should. If it has coaxed. to be prompted, yeah. I'd say go home and write a better sermon. Yeah. And then the, they'll know amen it. But I've never, never, I, I don't think I've ever done that in my life, ever asked for an amen. I, if I don't get any amens, I mean, number one, maybe I don't need them uh, for that message. But if I hope to get some kind of affirmation, I'm going to need to go look at that video and see how I could have stated things better. Yeah. Um, but well, And I think that's the thing with, with, um, with public speaking um, is 
things are received, I think, so differently than how you hear them in your own head. Yeah. And I think that can, I think that's a disconnect that a lot of speakers can have, or it's just, I think, a tendency of of people. You're in, because you have all of your intention that's in your own head when you're saying this thing that you think is maybe profound or should have an amen or people should shake their head yes or no to. But the the audience is not receiving that with all of your intention. If that, right, right. And I know, know people that they'll actually say something like that, which I think is very demeaning uh, and patronizing, and yet that's not really their spirit necessarily. No. You know, they might be trying to just be funny, might be trying to lighten the room, but they actually come across as arrogant uh, because they're they're basically telling people they how to understand how to say yes or no. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right, though. Uh, uh, that, and that's often the problem is there is a disconnect between what you're trying to accomplish and what people are actually perceiving. And, and that's partly why I point some of these out because right. you may have a habit of doing this and think that's just what you do. And I would just encourage you not to do that. <laughs> well, we, and yeah, we all have like ticks and things that we say or do, uh, to fill that, that empty void when, yeah. you know, and, and I think there's a real like, uh, desire to not have dead space, and yeah. I think that's very uncomfortable. And that's that's always the dangerous place for a public speaker, yeah. the dead space. Where I, and as it's been said before, uh, oftentimes silence is far better than what you threw in there off the cuff. Yeah, uh, better just to mm-hmm. keep it silent. Another and another one of those kind of phrases like that that I've heard a lot of people use is they'll say something. And then if there's a pause, they'll, they'll, they'll follow up and say, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Uh, now that's pretty common. I hear that quite often. Yeah. I know I, I've even, I think probably said that here on uh, this podcast. And, uh, but don't say that, uh, because I don't like it personally. And maybe it's, maybe it's me, but cause I've had, I've heard people who will say it 15 times in a 30 minute talk. Yeah. And when you keep saying, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Well, I take that to mean, do you think I'm an idiot? I mean, you haven't actually said anything all that profound. Like, why would it not make sense? I understand English. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've got a decent IQ. And what you're saying does not stretch me to the limit of my IQ. So just keep talking. Keep telling me. But now, I, I, I get it. Part of that is, a, is just filling the space. You're, mm-hmm. Between each thing you say, does that make sense? Does that, but, but I'm always like, okay, when you say, does that make sense, what are we supposed to do? Am I supposed to nod? And, uh, I, and so you're sort of forcing me to have to affirm you somehow. It's, like you're, yeah. it's almost like asking for an amen after everything you say. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And then you nod and smile. Oh, yeah, that was really good. You, no, just keep talking. Um, and, and the problem for me is that when you say, does that make sense? I, I take that as, uh, I'm not smart enough to understand what you're saying. Now I know, and I've even challenged some people on this before to say, you know, I don't know if I would say that. And, and their response sometimes, well, I just want to make sure I've been clear. And then I would say, well, then say it in a way where you put the onus on yourself, not on them, not that they didn't understand, but maybe say, have I been clear or, uh, are there any questions? Um, but when you say, does that make sense? What you, that implies is you don't mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying. And so take the onus on you then. If, if what you really want to make sure is that you communicated in a way that was understandable, well, okay, then that's the onus is on you. That you, maybe it was a complicated 
a thing you were saying. Uh, most of the time, when I hear that phrase, it's not that complicated. But yeah. but if you have maybe been getting into some complex thing, then say now I may I'm not sure I've explained myself well here uh, or something to that effect. Well, then it's now the onus is on you. It's not it's not questioning someone else's ability to understand. And there's another phrase that's used not. Sometimes it's used publicly. I've heard people use it a lot, just one-on-one. They'll just, after after they say something, they'll just automatically say, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And but you, I mean, again, you know what I mean. It's a, yeah, it's a nervous, it's again, it's a nervous yeah. fill in the, the, the space. And I, I just don't like, I mean, I'll be in a conversation one-on-one with someone, and it, within 10 minutes, they may say, know what I mean, 10 times. And that just gets irritating. And I, I know that they're just, that's their way of just interacting with you. But again, it's a bad habit. And mm-hmm. it's like, why would I not know what you mean? Uh, like, what do you, what do you need? You're, you're, and again, I just don't like being forced to have to respond. And now you're manipulating me into having to respond to you. Like, I'm perfectly fine being in a conversation where you say something, I say something. But when you're trying to generate, in fact, uh, and again, now this is just me. Maybe it's just because I've got a Canadian conservative upbringing, but I don't like it. And I hear this in churches a lot, where pastors will tell you what to say. You know, so so you know, say after me, God is good. You know, what uh, all the time, whatever. That's the most popular one. But where pastors just tell you to say something, uh, and again, it's just I almost never say it <laughs> because I just feel I'm being manipulated here, like. I'm sitting here listening to you, but you're trying to get me engaged and tell me what to say. And I don't, I th- mm. maybe it's my rebellious spirit, but I don't like being forced to have to say what you want me to say. I, I'm, I will give you the benefit of the doubt to listen to you and think about what you're saying, and I might really like it and might even amen it. But uh, let me decide that. You know, don't tell me what to say uh, and how to respond to you. Just say things so profound that I just spontaneously want to say something. Uh, but this, I don't know what it is. It's, it's a certain kind of speaking technique where you're trying to get participation from the audience, but you're basically manhandling people. Sort of forcing Forcing it. what mm-hmm. you want. Instead of, the, the great speakers are so good that they say something and they wait and they know that you're going to respond because they know what they've got to say is really good and that it's powerful or it's funny or whatever else. And they don't have to sort of hedge their bets by telling you laugh now or, you know, or just repeat this, that what I just said. Yeah. Now would be a great time for an amen. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've had another person and, and I, and I think I have actually said this once or twice, but, um, where, uh, you ask a question, if someone doesn't answer right away, you say, now that's not a rhetorical question. And I, I think I've even said, because there was a couple of times where I, I honestly wasn't sure if they, that's what they thought. Because <laughs> I had asked a really hard question, everyone's kind of looking at, and I knew it was a hard question, but I'm like, but I, I, I do want you to try, like try, but yeah. and that's this fine. This isn't just something to think about, like but, you want to have a response. Yeah, but sometimes it, that can just be, again, a, it's people are thinking the wheels are turning and you're... Again, in a sense, you're sort of you're you're kind of putting down the audience by saying you don't even understand what I just said, and um, and of course the best thing to do is always take the onus on you to say maybe I didn't I wasn't clear I re- I really want you to answer this I, I want you to wrestle with this issue, uh, and so uh, there, there, and then the the last one we've touched on this already, but 
uh, I teach a life group, uh, adult Sunday school class that Sam you're in and, and your wife is in and my wife is in and, and you know that I just don't like dumb questions. Uh, I, I do. I, I know that. I, and you, you know that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that and makes sense. Because it's, to me, it's so insulting. And so, in fact, I just, I was going through some curriculum not long ago. And honestly, I t- uh, this is the absolute truth. Uh, they, they were giving some, giving you some discussion questions that you could use. And the first question uh, on this particular week was, should Christians pray? And it's like, okay, I'm not going to ask that. Like that's, uh, you, you know, it's, it's like where the answer is always Jesus. It's like, okay, and, and I'll, again, when, when someone, and this happens all the time, where I'll be asked, I'll be in a room, and we're asked a really obvious question, and I just find it insulting. I'll never answer an obvious question like that. I'll just sit there quietly. It's like, like if that's the best you've got, you haven't really, now, instead of saying, should Christians pray, even ask, why should Christians pray? Like, now that's a better question. I mean, mm-hmm. because if God wants to do something, isn't he going to do it anyway? Like, what difference right. would it make? If God intends to do a certain, bring revival to your city, then why does your praying make any difference whether he does or not? Well, I think there's a, that, that can lead to a great discussion. But should we pray, I think, is pretty obvious. Yeah. And so, um, and so I, but what I find is, uh, and you know, like you've, you've sat in my class long enough to know, I mean, not all my questions are, you know, rocket science, but, um, but I try to at least think what would make people think for a moment? What would make people maybe look at this differently than they have before? What, what's a question they haven't been asked before about this verse? Not, not, don't, let's not ask. I mean, cause I, you know, it's like, you know, if I was in a class, the teacher said, should Christians pray? You know, like, I, I'm not going to like raise my hand like, oh, 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 ask me, ask me. My hand's waving in the air. Yes, we should pray. You know, do I get a prize? Like, do I get recognized as being uh-huh. really smart? Like, no, it's a dumb question. And so don't insult me with a dumb question. So, uh, so, and that, that, that's not easy to, I mean, there are times where uh, it's not easy to ask a thought provoking kind of question, but, um, but, that's what gets discussion going. That's what you, you want to you want to treat people like they're not idiots. You want to treat people like they have a brain. Now, sometimes you may have to stretch them. You may be taking them farther than they're used to going because they've had a lot of other teachers and speakers that did treat them like idiots. But yeah. um, but so and one other one that I, I've never liked either is if someone asks a question and people are not answering right away. Uh, I've had people say, "Hey, folks, I've got all day." Well, that's just kind of demeaning again, you know, like I'm just going to wait it out. I'll be here. Um, what maybe, you know, don't assume that the people are just unwilling to participate. It might be you asked a confusing question or a dumb question or. Um, well, but, I just think it's a good rule of thumb never to uh, put the onus on the audience or yeah. never insult the right. audience. Right. And I think that's sort of at the heart of a lot of these is it's. You know, don't don't confuse your lack of preparation or poor questions with, you know, uh, a tough audience or a confused audience. Yeah, just uh, take the. I mean, as a speaker, you you take the onus on you. You're you have prepared and uh, and done all you can to be as engaging, thought provoking, stimulating as you could possibly be, and. 
And if it's not coming across that way, clearly you came up with a bad plan or bad lesson. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just various things. I'll just kind of rapid fire some of these. Uh, there's a place, I mean, I, I, I speak from a stage often, but, uh, but I, you know, there's times where I'll see, you know, I may see like a Bible study class and there may be like four people in the room, four students, and a teacher will be standing behind a podium. And I, I, there is a place for, I mean, I, I speak from behind podiums. If I'm in a room with 50 people, 100 people in it, I like to be able to put my Bible on something. If, I, if, it's, if I'm going to be presenting, then that's one thing. If I'm going to be teaching and leading a discussion, then I like to, as you know, just sit in the circle in a chair with everybody else. Mm-hmm. But, and I know and a lot, many, many times I've been uh, brought in maybe to a church auditorium or something to, to lead a discussion, you know, not, maybe not the main service, but uh, a teaching time. And you don't... You, but I don't need to be on the platform. There's, there's, there's just people, you know, it's not a full auditorium and people are sitting near the front. And so oftentimes I'll come, I'll ask, can I just come down on the floor with, and I might be by a podium, but at least I'm closer to the people yeah. and I'm not towering above them. And I know sometimes we, sometimes people do that because they kind of need the sense of authority that because I'm above you, or I'm behind the podium or I'm on the stage, then it, it sort of beefs up their credibility. And sometimes I find that uh, respecting people says, look, I can come down and just sit in the circle with you and just talk with you about things, or I can get down on your level and look you in the eye. And uh, Well, you know, and I think for pastors in particular, those who have been trained to, like, to preach, I think have a really hard time making that transition into, like, lead a discussion or... do more of a teaching rather than like you're giving your presentation. And so I think, I think it's probably is just uncomfortable for a lot of people who have been trained as a pastor or as a speaker to then make that transition. If they are having to lead a smaller group, um, to, to, to be more discussion oriented. Uh, I think that I just think that's probably scarier. Yeah, uh, and and, and sometimes you're scared. there's a vulnerability. I well, think. and you're scared because what if they ask me something I don't know? You yeah. know, or they put me on the spot, and uh, and there and that I mean that can happen. But if you're, and that's why I'll, I'll you know I think part of it is just um, having confidence in yourself that you can you're secure enough that you can take the onus on you. You can humble yourself. You can be among the people. Of course, I think just when it comes just to treating people like they're not idiots, just look at them, look them in the eye, look look in their face, smile at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, there's a lot of things where we're looking right over their heads. I, I've known people presenting where you you think they're just kind of looking at the back of the room. They're not even really paying attention well, to the people. because they are. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and of course, just using people's names. And I'm terrible at, at names, but if, if you're in a conversation with someone or, um, if, and I find it, even if you like, I this past week I spoke in about five different churches, and uh, four of them I so I never really been in before. And and but if you meet someone uh, as you're coming in, maybe there's an usher that talks with you, maybe there's a associate pastor that is helping you out, and then you just call on someone's name or just mention someone by name. That immediately indicates. I know that couldn't have been in your notes because you just met them coming in the door, but you, you notice someone and, mm-hmm. and you treat them as important then. And, um, and I find also, and it's just interesting, we've talked about this before too, but, uh, um, 
if you do, if you are making some kind of presentation, whether it's to your own staff or it's in a, you're a speaker or something else, you preach a sermon at your church, um, then linger afterward. And uh, because to me, it just seems a little demeaning. Like I'm going to come in here and dump some knowledge on you and then I'm out the door. It's not like I really care what you do with this. I just, I'm just going to unload and uh, and be gone. And I I think I've told you before, I was speaking in a setting and I had spoke, I was the speaker earlier in the day and, but there was a speaker that night. And, uh, so I thought, well, I'll go just out of respect and to the, for the organization that has me, I could just skip out and go to my room. Uh, I had an early flight the next morning, but, uh, but I, I want to, I was invited to sit at the main head table with the other speaker. So I thought, well, I'll go. And he, he didn't go in the afternoon to hear me, but I'll, I'll go and, and affirm him. Uh, but I, I had a really early flight and so I, I'd stayed longer than I really wanted to, but as soon as the meeting is over, I, I knew I needed to kind of beat the, the, the crowd out to the elevators and get to my room and get ready to leave early in the morning. And so I'm leaving quite quick. Now I hung around a lot after I had spoken, but, but at, at the evening session, uh, I didn't speak at all. I was just sitting at a table, uh, just in the audience. And so I no one needs to talk to me at that point. So I am literally racing to the door and I see the elevator about to close and I run to catch it so I can go, go on upstairs. And when I run to catch it and go inside, the speaker is already in the elevator. And I mean, I went about as fast as I could and he was, he just is the one who presented all evening and he didn't stay around to even shake a hand, say anything to anybody. He was just out of there. And I just thought to myself, you know, that's so I find that so disrespectful to, to, it's like, I don't really care about you as people. I'm just getting paid to unload some information. So here it Mm. is. You do with it what you want, but I'm on my way. Um, And I just have always felt like uh, if I'm going to share some truths, whether it's about leadership, it's about God, uh, whatever it might be, um, I I at least owe it to you. I I mean, I don't have to stay around for the next three hours, but, uh, if there's a real pressing thing, um, I'm, I'm willing to be there. And, and, you know, it's funny because sometimes even something as as simple and, and this has happened at times, uh, especially maybe if you're in a smaller setting or a smaller uh, church or something, uh, there's been times where, um, the, uh, maybe the special music before you're going to speak was maybe the singer was not the world's best, uh, and but it's the best maybe they had, or it's you know it's just a faithful brother that's preaching, singing right before you get up, and it, it's going to be hard to say anything all that kind about the, the singing, and still be telling the truth. But uh, but even then, there's times like I've literally had some where the singing was pretty pretty average. But the song they were trying to sing was actually a great hymn, you know. And so it's possible to just get up and say, weren't those words marvelous? Wasn't that that great? Every time I hear that hymn, it just speaks to my heart. Well, you haven't said necessarily that guy needs to be on Broadway singing, you know, because he shouldn't be. But but instead, is there still a way you can lift someone up, even Mm -hmm. maybe after an average performance, um, and so again, be just thinking about, did your comments lift up people or did it take people down? And I remember, uh, I was speaking at a conference one time and it was in Canada and there was a famous, famous, uh, hockey 
legend that was there in the room that night. He wasn't even, I don't think he spoke, but he was at, he was at the head table where I was. And on the other side of me was the, a guy who was going to speak next. He was an American. He'd never heard of this Canadian. Now, there's no way you could be a Canadian and not know who this hockey player was. Mm-hmm. But you could be an American living in Florida somewhere, Arizona, and not know. And so he, he made a comment to me, the, the, the speaker, about who is this guy? They're all, everyone, you know, he, he's, they're all talking about him. And I tried to explain. I said, well, listen, he's a, he's a legend. I mean, everybody respects him. You you can't, in the last 30, 40 years, like you, you just would have to know who that was. Uh, I said, so, and I'm trying to help this guy. I said, so whether you know about him or not, I wouldn't admit you don't know about him because this is very important to Canadians. And, but this guy didn't heed any of my counsel and he went straight up and he made a comment about, sorry, I'm the only guy in the room who doesn't know who you are. And he's saying it to the guy right in front of the whole room. And of course, it's possible to not know, but what what you're saying is, I know this is important to everybody in this country, but I don't have a clue. And I don't necessarily really care to know who it is. Uh, I don't feel like I'm missing out at all. And I, I just thought, now this guy, this is one of his opening comments. And he is he's I'm watching him lose his entire audience. And the other thing he had said to me beforehand, he said he'd actually asked me. He said, "You know, I want to use a, uh, I want to use a uh, illustration from the the Broadway play Hamilton." And he said, "Will the people up here have heard of it?" And I'm like, "Well, this is Toronto. Like, this is uh, a big city. It's got it has its own version of Broadway. It it all the big the Broadway shows come through here. So yes, they will know. They're not." in some isolated backwards village. Well, but again, this guy comes up and right off the bat, he, he mentions Broadway and then he just looks at everyone like, have you guys, have you heard of that? Have you heard of that? <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the biggest ever <laughs> Broadway plays to come out. And he's making this, now to him, he's maybe just making conversation, but to everybody there, it's an arrogant American that is acting like Canadians you know, don't, you know, they're just now hearing about Elvis Presley up there. Like, <laughs> uh, and, and I watched him just lose his audience. Now he's, and that's always the danger is when you're just trying to be funny, you're just trying to kind of lighten things up, but you, you, but that's always a very dangerous spot because you, you, you haven't necessarily had time to think, is this going to be funny or is this going to sound condescending? Is this going to yeah. sound like I'm putting, I've just in, First two things out of my mouth, I just insulted everybody in the room. And now I want them to listen carefully and appreciatively to what I'm about to say. Would you, would you say, as a rule of thumb, and, and we'll, we'll wrap this up, but uh, as a rule of thumb, if you're going to use humor, would you say it's the safest bet is self-deprecating humor? Always, or, always the safest. And, okay. I, and that, maybe just one last thing on that is, I know sometimes, and, and I've done this, I've, I've danced around this a little bit sometimes, but... Maybe you come to a church or something, and you're the speaker, uh, or you're speaking in some conference. But um, and and so the guy, maybe it's the MC that's been MCing and introducing you and whatever, and so you decide to poke fun at him. Well, be careful. I mean, sometimes that's fine if he's been poking fun at himself already. You know, it's more open game. But like, you might be just trying to have fun with the audience, but if you poke fun at their pastor. Uh, you might end up, there's going to be some widow ladies there or someone yeah. or, that are going to take that. You, you, first time you've ever been to our church and you're putting down our pastor. How do you, you don't even know him. 
So yeah, far, far better to just poke fun at yourself. Uh, that tends to break a lot of ice. But you're, you can get into dangerous territory when you start poking fun at other people that ever, you know, there in the room or on stage with you. Uh, and so I've just seen people that perhaps had a really good message to deliver, but they lost, lost their audience. So no one even really heeded what they were saying. And so that's just a lot of things to say, be careful people. I mean, treat people at least as if they've got a brain in their head. Mm-hmm. And don't treat them until proven as, otherwise. Yeah, and I, I'm not <laughs> saying everybody there does, but you need to, as a as a speaker, as a leader, uh, when you're working with people in your organization, um, give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, uh, shoot high, assume the best, the most of people, and oftentimes people will rise to that occasion. But yeah. uh, if you treat them like idiots, uh, oftentimes just by carelessly saying things without having thought about it yeah uh you could end up doing losing a lot of ground and uh not having nearly the positive impact you might have had had you just been a little bit more careful about what you said Hmm. well that's a good place to end it and until next time thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you listen don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends we always love hearing from our listeners so email us at podcast at blackme.org